Welcome to episode number five of the Low Angst Library podcast. Today we have an interview with Charlie Novak. I'm your resident librarian, Lee Blair. This library is your stop for all things light, fluffy, funny, sweet, spicy, and everything in between. I not only publish low-angst queer romances, but I'm a voracious reader of them too. I created this podcast because I wanted to talk to other authors who write romances with main characters on the LGBTQIA2S plus spectrum so that I could learn what draws them to the lighter side of angst, learn more about their books and their writing process. I had the pleasure of chatting with Charlie Novak for this episode. We talked about Charlie's path from fan fiction to original fiction, inspiration from tabletop RPGs, and trying to write a snowy Christmas book during a brutal heat wave. Charlie lives in England with her husband and two cheeky dogs. She spends most of her days wrangling other people's words in her day job and then trying to force her own onto the page in the evening. She loves cute stories with a healthy dollop of fluff, plenty of delicious sex, and happily ever afters, because the world needs more of them. Charlie has very little spare time, but what she does have, she fills with baking, Dungeons and Dragons, reading, and many other nerdy pursuits. She also thinks that everyone should have at least one favorite dinosaur. Before going into the fun interview I had with Charlie, I want to share a note about timing. This interview was recorded about five months ago, and due to many tech issues and delays with tech support, it took ages to get this first batch of episodes finished. So when we start talking about Charlie's upcoming projects, know that the timing is a bit off. So I've recorded a brief update at the end to share a bit about what's going on with their books now as of March 2023. Okay, on to the interview. Charlie Novak, thank you so much for hanging out with me in the Low Angst Library. I'm thrilled you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for uh, having me along to talk to you about all things awesome and low angst. I'm just pumped to to keep talking to people about low angst and have these conversations. Low angst is the best. I mean, everything's great, but... Yeah, low angst is uh, my favorite and I absolutely adore it. So I'm so excited. (laughs) I would love to know, just starting right off, what got you into writing books and writing romance specifically? So I have always kind of written on and off, like throughout my whole life, mostly kind of fan fiction and just little bits and bobs just throughout my life. A couple of years ago, it was, well, I say a couple, but it's more than that now because time inexorably continues to move and I end up losing all track of time itself. It would have been about like, Five years ago, I got super into the TV show Supernatural. I was also suffering from like insomnia at the time. So I ended up joining Tumblr, which was, you know, great for my uh, my insomnia. But it also meant that I connected a lot with the Supernatural writing community. And I started doing a lot of like writing challenges. I've been writing, going back into writing a bit of fan fiction, but that was kind of where I started writing romance was specifically writing like bestial fan fiction. It was where I kind of started writing MM romance and romance. It kind of just went slowly from there. Like I was reading a lot of fan fiction and writing a lot of romance based fan fiction, which was great because I got to play around with so many tropes and learn how to write smart and all these kind of fun things and figure out what I really liked writing. And then somebody I knew 
Oh, I picked up a low angst like novella, like a YA novella about two teenage boys who were like, it was her best friends to lovers with a little misunderstanding. And, and I mentioned it to somebody I knew that I'd really enjoyed it. And she was like, oh, do you like your books with a little more spiced, like your romance? And I was like, oh, go, go on. What is this? And so she introduced me to Kindle Unlimited and to like MM Romance through Kindle Unlimited, which was a game changer. I did not realize this was a thing. I was, oh my God, it's like fan fiction, but it books. R.I.P. my productivity forever uh, <laughs> because I could get the Kindle app on my phone because I thought you'd have to have a Kindle, which I didn't have. But then there was the Kindle app on my phone. There was a Kindle Unlimited subscription and there were all these books. And so that was it really. And that was yeah, about four years ago, I think. Then I just devoured everything I could read. And I kind of really quickly, because I already, from reading fan fiction, I already knew the stories I liked to read. So it was really easy to find stuff that I really wanted to read. And I had always wanted to write fiction, like novels and stuff. I had always thought I would write science fiction and fantasy because that was what I read a lot of growing up. It was my big passion. But I had never been able to write more than 500 words. I had all these amazing ideas, but I just couldn't make them work on paper. And then I had an idea for an MM romance story. And I suppressed it because I thought, just ignore it. It'll go away because you're never actually going to be able to write it. And it wouldn't go away. And it wouldn't go away. So one evening, and it was like September, about four years ago. And I sat down and I was like, well, if I just start writing, by the time I hit the bottom of the page... That will be it. I'll never be able to write anymore. It'll be gone and I'll never want to do it again. And then that 500 words turned into Breakaway, which is the first novel I published. I don't know why, but romance just clicked. It was the genre. It was just like the genre had been waiting for me. And there it was. All of these words came spilling out. It was definitely a learning process because I had never written something of that length before. I remember saying to one of my best friends, Toby Wise, who is an, an MM Omegaverse author, and who I met through supernatural fan fiction, we sort of started writing about the same time. I remember saying to Toby, oh, this is not going to work. And then actually being like, I, I, think I, I think I've written a book. <laughs> I think I've written a book. Yeah, that was where it came from. And then I suddenly managed to do it again. And then by that point, I didn't ever want to stop. And now it's like three and a bit years later. And I, I can't imagine ever stopping. So it was a very long-winded answer. But yeah, I... I started with fan fiction and now I, I don't think I'll ever stop. That is amazing. And I love that you have been so prolific in this time because you've written a lot of books and like you've got quite the backlist already. It surprises even me, to be honest, uh, because I have a full-time day job as well. So I work full-time and I write. Um, so I am not quite sure. I'm very surprised when people say to me, how many books have you published? And I have to sit down and count. I know Always Eli was book 10. And that was September last year. And then I have to count forward from Eli. I think it's about 15 now. Wow. But also I'm trying to work out because I have to also do the mental maths of what has come out, <laughs> what hasn't come out yet. I'm like, does this count? Because I've written it. It's just nobody knows, nobody's read it yet. <laughs> well, so you mentioned a full-time job. That's a lot to juggle. Publishing at any level, plus a full-time job, especially with the quantity that you're writing. So how do you juggle that? How do you keep them both going? Honestly, I don't know. Um, <laughs> ADHD uh, is a terrible answer, but it's half true. 
I love writing. It's the thing that I love doing and it's a really nice escape. It's how I de-stress, even though writing and publishing is very stressful. It's something I love doing. I can't seem to stop. I try and take weeks off. I do try and take breaks. I don't take as many as I should, but I do try and take breaks. But I don't write at the weekends, for example, unless I'm on a deadline and I'm behind where I should be. Um, it has taken a lot of work to kind of figure out the balance. So I write first thing in the morning, for example, before I start my day job. And I tend to write in the evenings as well. Like I'll sit on the sofa and write in that. It has taken me like two or three years now to figure out the balance, to work out how long it takes me to write a book, what my process is. I think for me, having that streamlined does help. But at the same time, I would encourage nobody to do what I do because I walk a very fine line with burnout half of the time. It's, it is definitely a balancing act. It is one I don't think I will ever get 100% right. But I was really lucky recently. I went to the UK LGBTQ fiction meet in Southampton and there was a really cool panel that a couple of other authors did about how they balance writing with a day job. It was really interesting because it seems like everybody has a slightly different approach. It was very validating to find out that, hey, we all do things slightly differently. Um, but, you know, it was it was just really nice to get different people's approaches and couple of people who use like lots of spreadsheets. I do love a good spreadsheet. It's definitely been a balancing act and it still is. I'm very lucky that my boss does know that I write. I, I don't write during daytime out, but he's very aware like if, that I'm going to GRL in a couple of weeks or that I go to these events and stuff like that. And he's very supportive, which is really helpful. Oh, that's amazing. And I like that validation that the other authors indicate that they do it differently because it seems like if something stops working, then you know there's other ways you can try. For me, I changed day jobs. I've got a full-time day job as well. And I changed jobs about nine months ago. And that completely changed my writing because the intensity and stress from my last job didn't carry over. And I noticed that that has affected like just my energy to write in the evenings and weekends. So it's it seems so difficult to balance and how that shifts around. It's definitely such a balance. And I think it catches people by surprise. One of the things that caught me by surprise is that there's just so much around publishing and writing. Like, you know, you write the book, that's step one. And then there's all of the other things that go into it. It can be very time consuming, especially when you have to balance day job and, and other things like that. I'm very lucky. I have a very supportive PA charity, Van Haas, who is just A plus excellence. And I love her very much. She organizes me when I forget to do things and she makes everything a lot easier. So I'm very lucky that I have a sort of supportive team around me, which does help take the pressure off sometimes when I have like very stressful days or I have big projects at work that just require a little bit more of my mental attention. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad that you've got that support. I think it is really important. Um, yeah, I'm really lucky in that respect. Nice. So I would love to know about low angst specifically. What drew you to writing low angst stories? The world is a terrible, horrible place <laughs> and I can't cope with, with angst. Um, I'm quite an emotional and emotive person. I'm a very empathetic person. I tend to feel emotions quite strongly and I have noticed that like if things in books are very stressful, then it I, I really struggle, especially if 
the world is very stressful. And then I'm like, oh, I, I can't deal with it. I get really overwhelmed and I get very stressed out. If there is going to be angst in books, I'll often like on my Kindle app, like zoom out. So you can see like the lay of pages and then I'll like skim forward to see how long the angst is going to last. And then I'm like, okay, I can deal with this now. That is such um, a good idea. Yeah. I'm also one of these people who doesn't mind spoilers. So if I have a book that I really want to read and I'm not sure if it's going to be angsty or not, and I know someone who's read it, I'm like, just tell me all the details. They're like, oh, do you want spoilers? I'm like, yes, spoil everything because I want to know all of this stuff going in and then I know what's going to happen and then I feel calm about it because they've said, oh, this is going to happen and this is going to happen, but then it resolves and this happens and it's all fine. I'm like, cool. And I think one of the things that I love about romance especially is that even if I have to deal with the angst a little bit, I know that it's going to end happily, which is the big you know, thing for me. I know it's going to get a happy ever after and that makes me very happy. But I have still discovered I can't do a lot of angst in my romance. And I know there's some amazing, like, angsty authors out there who write the most amazing books. And I, I really want to read them, but I, I just don't have the sort of emotional stability or capacity to deal with them. Because uh, I just know they're going to absolutely rip my heart out. I'd probably love it. I'd probably be, like, lying there, like, sobbing into my Kindle. <laughs> but um, at the moment, I just need a lot more low-angst stuff. And it's personally just what I prefer to read and I can't write angst it turns out I will write things that I think are angsty and everybody's like wow this is so sweet and fluffy and I'm like okay well <laughs> clearly writing angst is never going to be my thing I can do the tiniest like little bit like a small blip I've written one book that has maybe a tiny bit more angst in it but it's still not that angsty compared to a lot of other people's books so it's just a natural kind of thing for me. I just can't really deal with a lot of angst, so I don't write it. I'm the same way. And I love that we've got this terminology for low angst so that readers can find what they're in the mood for and that we can have access to lower stuff when we want it or heavier things when we want it. And that's been really amazing. Yeah. And I think it's so nice for readers to be able to go and find those things because I think sometimes we all just want something that is like a little bit more of a comfortable squishy hug in book form and you know sometimes we do want to have our heart ripped out stomped on and then handed back to us and we're like oh thank you so much this is beautiful <laughs> um but I think sometimes we all just need like the equivalent of a hot chocolate with marshmallows with like cream on the top in book form and I think that's what a lot of like low angst books are Yes, I totally agree. And building off of that, what is your definition of low angst? Oh, uh, for me, it it's just, um, oh gosh, that's really hard. I think it's definitely books that have more of a sort of fluffier side, maybe. Um, I think you can still have a third act breakup in a low angst book, but I think often in low angst, if there is a lot of drama in the relationship, it's not huge. It's much more easily resolved. Or I think a lot of the time in low angst, the drama comes from outside of the relationship. So it's something that your MCs have to overcome together. Even if it's an issue specifically affecting one of the MCs, it tends to be something that, you know, we're a couple now, we're a team, let's overcome this issue together. Or if it is something that they have to deal with personally, then maybe the other MC helps them deal with that personally, or it's something that they 
get some help with it from their friends or their family to overcome. I think for me, low angst is it's a little bit more, it's the issues that are a little bit more often easily resolved. Um, it's quite hard to define because I think everybody has slightly different definitions of what low angst is. Um, but I think there's like certain things that just, you know, for me, they just make up a little bit more low angst. And then you get like the stuff that's really almost no angst where it's very sort of soft and it's really focused on the MCs coming together and that kind of really lovely, I guess like, uh, no plot, just vibes, which I adore. (laughs) Yes, I totally agree with you. And it's been really interesting starting this podcast and talking to people because everyone does kind of have exactly like you said, a little bit of a different definition of what low angst is, but it feels like a spice scale. What is spicy to one person is going to maybe be like, whoa, too much or uh, I guess that's spicy to another person. So it's yeah. difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to know a little bit about your reading habits before we go into your writing. What, well, you've talked about this already. So you read primarily low angst, but do you read while you're writing or do you need to just focus on your writing and not read at all? Um, It depends. Sometimes I'll read while I'm writing. Sometimes I won't. If I get towards the end or I'm editing, I don't tend to read as much because I just need to make sure I have the same voice in my head. If I'm finding writing tricky, I might read a little less because I will sometimes get the writing style of somebody else, especially if they use a different perspective or tense kind of start uh, and I'll get stuck in that. But it really varies on my personal stress levels and how much of on a deadline I am. Um, and sometimes I just need to kind of... N- take a break but sometimes I just I'm like oh give me something cozy and fluffy to read so that I can just de-stress and read something very sweet that's great do you have any low angst book recommendations oh my gosh uh so many hang on I'm just I'm gonna be really terrible I hope you don't mind I'm just gonna pull my kindle up because I'm terrible with Oh, I'm the same way. I, I remember vibes and like sometimes character names but book titles I'm so bad at that uh, so, I mean, there are a couple of authors who I just absolutely adore and a few books that I've read recently that I just really, really loved. I've really enjoyed so far um, K.M. Newhold's uh, Big Bull Mechanic series, which is just super fun and sort of vibes. And I loved her Four Bears Construction as well. So I'm super happy to see those ones back. Uh, I recently read a play by heart by Ariel as well, which is so sweet and just lovely, just absolutely adorable. I really loved Eden Finley's Popstar series. One of my all-time favorites is still Lily Morton's Rule Breaker, which is actually at times like a little, little more angsty, but I just love uh, Dylan and Gabe. And Lily's stuff is just always super wonderfully snarky and British and just fabulous, and I absolutely love it. Um, I love Annabeth Albert books as well. And there are so many amazing Lynx books that I've read that or authors that I read, I'm like, oh God, I'm, I'm so going to forget somebody. <laughs> Um, but there are some like amazing stuff, uh, like Noah Steele stuff is just, his is just all vibes and I just love them so much. Um, so that's always really nice as well. Yes. And I'm so excited for Noah's new release to set up the new series. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. At the time of this recording as well. Oh my gosh. I think we're just a few weeks away. I'm so pumped. (laughs) It's going to be so good. It's so lovely. And, that, and I have to mention uh, Carly Marie as well, if you do like a little bit of kink or 
uh, stuff like that as well. Her stuff is just so sweet and low angst. Um, and I really love her books as well. And she's just a lovely person. Oh, great. Thanks for all those recommendations. So where do you get your ideas and inspiration for your own books? Kind of from all over, really. They often will just like pop up or I'll start with one and then they just unfold into a whole series without me really thinking about it, where they've kind of been simmering away in the back of my brain. And suddenly I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to do this but here they all they just kind of write themselves in it's the side characters they just write themselves in so for example like my role for love series and my kiss me series were neither of which were intended to be series they were just meant to be standalones the natural 20 was supposed to be a standalone i started writing natural 20 and i i kind of had got edward in the background just like oh yeah he'll be jay's best friend and then it just unfolded from there I was like, oh, well, hello. Okay. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you all. And it was the same with the Kiss Me series where I had a couple of rough ideas, but I wasn't really sure. And then I just started writing Strawberry Kisses and half of it unfolded. I was like, oh, okay. Well, hi, nice to meet you all. Sometimes it's just from, you know, things I've done that I think, oh, this would be really fun to include in a book. Sometimes it's places. So last year I went to the beach with my other half and our dog and I have always loved the sea and the seaside and I was just paddling I was like walking along the beach I was just paddling uh, by myself and I was like oh you know what I'd love to set a series by the sea I really should do that at some point and then I went away and sat and thought about it and Heather Bay just kind of unfolded started unfolding like where that might be was a little bit more planned but it was definitely like one of those series that the characters just kind of unfolded themselves so sometimes it's just like one small thing just magically sparks off a whole series or world and and all the characters just start introducing themselves which is quite nice i'm really lucky in that respect oh that's wonderful and i was curious that was one of the things i wanted to know about was how heathered bay came about and i love that you're inspired by an actual trip the series i adore the series and the books and the novella and everything are so sweet i love the guys and the friends and so we've got like i wish coming out very soon at the end of the month right toward the end of the month yes yeah, yeah. Uh, 27th yes oh my gosh are you excited i am very excited this is probably one of my lowest angst books it's definitely just a lot of vibes and a lot of like halloween and best friend's brother and adorable baking himbo um it was just so much fun to write <laughs> it's such a lovely it's i it's one book i would describe i think as a cozy hug in book form and it's very sweet and and it was so much so much fun to write uh especially because i wrote it in the summer where here in the UK we had a heat wave so we had 40 degrees centigrade heat and it was unbearably hot oh. we don't have AC here we don't have any kind of our houses are designed to keep heat in so it was really not fun and I was writing trying to write this book in this weather clinging to my fan and I'm uh, thinking oh, autumn vibes <laughs> like Halloween and cold and spooky and cold mornings and crisp mornings and like just clinging on to the sort of vibes of that 
sort of season of October thinking this might cool like if I can just imagine it it's not going to cool me down but it might just make me realize that one day that will happen again and I will not be melting on my living room floor (laughs) that had to be so difficult trying to write and focus when I could just imagine just like sweating and just trying to keep your hands on the keyboard and oh I am not very productive in the heat, it turns out. I don't think a lot of people are, but I've definitely discovered I'm not the most productive in the heat. I just kind of melt and become a little like sofa gremlin. I'm like, I can't do anything. My brain is just overheated. (laughs) Oh, that's so rough. And without air conditioning and the trapped heat, I hope next summer is better. I hope so too. I hope so. I don't think it will be, but um, uh, yeah, it's definitely not, the most fun I've I've ever had trying to write a book, but it was fine. We got there, and it was nice to just be able to think about that instead of the fact that I was too hot and everything was horrible. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to visit the fall in Heather Bay. Oh my gosh, I I could just feel the cozy vibes. I'm so pumped. <laughs> yeah, it's really sweet, and I really hope people enjoy it. I'm super excited because I'll. I started thinking about the next one, book three in the series, just recently, like the past day or two. So I've started planning that one as well, which is going to be really fun, I think. The moment there's plans for another two books in the series after that, so five in total. So I'm really excited. Yay! I think it's just going to be really fun. There's, you know, a couple of other characters from other series that I think are going to make an appearance pop up here and there. So I'm I'm super excited to be able to share that uh, like next year. Oh, I love when that happens, when characters pop up. That's one of my favorite things as a reader. <laughs> yeah, it's something I really love doing as well. Like I've started doing it more and more. It's just kind of bringing people in because they're there and they exist. And I'm like, well, I want to make them a part of my world. And uh, and I don't like letting them go. So I'm excited to bring them back. <laughs> well, going from that, so you have some favorite characters and that you're bringing to these series. What has been your favorite book or characters to write? I know it's so hard. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. Um, I I do adore Edward from Charisma Check. He is my cosplaying soft, snarky goth boy. Who I just I love him very much. He's everything I wish I was. Sometimes it's the same with Eli from Always Eli. He's just so sassy and snarky, and I just adore him. I love Patrick from Strawberry Kisses. He's my soft baker, and but he's so no nonsense, and I love that about him. I love the whole crew from the the pear tree. They were just so much fun to write. Kit, who's my very eccentric artist from Extra Time, who is when I wrote him, he was just all over the place, and he was just so much fun to write. And oh, some of the Heather Bay guys writing Noah and Spencer was so cute, and Lane and Oliver were just so much fun. I know I have a soft spot for both Theo and Laurie from that series and because they're just such a fun little like odd couple of roommates and they're just you know so I love all of my characters in really different ways and you know Finn and Oscar as well they're just I just love like little facets of all of my characters so it's really hard to pick favorites because I just love them all in individual ways That makes a lot of sense, though. I feel like picking your favorite would be really difficult, like picking a favorite child or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So when thinking about how you create your characters and your stories, can you tell me about your writing process? 
Uh, so it kind of depends from book to book, but usually I go in with an idea of like who the characters are. I usually start with the characters. I might start with the tropes if I have tropes that I really want to focus on. Usually I sit down with a pen and paper and I write little character bios. I tend to write them by hand. It's just like a page each that just says this is their name and their age. And I work out what year they were born because that will often help with like pop culture references and stuff like that, because it's just really good to know roughly where people are placed. And then just likes and dislikes and their family. And if they know the other MC, just a little bit. And half of that stuff might not make it in. Some of it will get changed. And then I will start building the story. I usually write in Scrivener and I usually lay out 30 cards on Scrivener because like it works like a little cork board. And then I work out kind of, I break it down. Like I know where my halfway point is. And then often I'll just sit and kind of start. I do plot, but it's not like very detailed. It's more like one to three sentences for a chapter. And then, then sometimes I'll when I'm writing, I will adjust as I write because often the second half, last third, it doesn't quite match up with where the book has then gone. So I'll adjust, I'll add chapters as I need to. So something maybe takes two chapters that I thought would only take one. Actually, I haven't got room to put all of this stuff in. This hasn't quite worked out. Like if I did this thing that I was planning, it's actually, it doesn't, fit for these characters it doesn't work they're not going to react in that way they're not going to or do thing because they've already agreed that they've had a conversation that if, for example like that if they are struggling with something they're going to talk to each other like mature adults well actually then it doesn't make sense for one of them to run away because it does it just it's a slight betrayal of the characters of who they're becoming over the growth of the story i'm very much like a yeah, this is roughly where we're going. Here be dragons. We'll maybe see what actually happens when we get there. Um, so I do plot as I go. Like, no, actually, this isn't working. And I readjust quite a lot um, because that works best for me. And then I just, usually I start, just start writing. I try and write 2,000 words a day, Monday to Friday. Doesn't always work. Sometimes I write less. Sometimes I might write a little bit more. And I try and write sort of linearly but it doesn't often work I will get bored uh I get stuck I decide I don't really want to write that bit and the great thing about Scrivener is that I can just move and I I chapter hop especially if I get stuck I'm like I know something needs to go here but I don't really know what so I just tend to like flag the chapter and I can come back to it later and then I can see where the missing parts are I don't have to go try and find them I can just flag okay that chapter is not finished um this does frustrate charity who'd be to reads for me sometimes especially if i skip smut scenes uh, or i've started writing like a little bit and then i'm just like putting square brackets finish this later uh maybe a bullet point or two about what's going to happen and then i'll send her like chunks to read and she'll just be like charlie what goes here i want this bit and i'm like oh yeah i'll i'll get back to that at some point i'll finish that later yeah i try and go then backfill the worst part is when i have to get to the end and I've written the epilogue and I'm like yeah I'm done except I'm not because I now have to go and backfill all of the bits that I skipped <laughs> I try and do less of that now I'll try and get them backfilled before I write the epilogue and that but it doesn't always work which is a bit uh which when I get to the end I'm like oh come on why did you not do this earlier it's like oh it's because earlier I didn't want to do it 
<laughs> those brackets, I swear they're going to be the death of me. Because in the moment, it's like, oh, I've got the freedom. I can. I don't want to stop the flow and and Google this or find a word for this or fill in the scene. I'm just going to leave a bracket. No big deal. 500 brackets later at the end. Is yeah. That, okay. I really set myself up to fail here. <laughs> yeah. And then you have oh. to go try and find them all. Or if I put names or dates in them, I'm like, oh, now I actually have to make sure that this all matches up timeline-wise. <laughs> That's always so rough. I use Plotter and try to kind of fill things in on there as I go. But then I do the same thing where I'll leave a bracket, like make sure this timeline makes sense. So it's almost like I have to do a pass reading it. Like, okay. We're just checking dates and timeline here. Oh my God. <laughs> I have actually started doing that the last couple where things take place over a specific date or have a specific time. The last couple of books that I've written, I have gone and when I do my self-edit before it goes off to my editor, I have a separate document open and it's like, okay, well, if we're starting on this date, chapter one is this date. And then because I tend to use the wonders for my books because I personally find it easier. And then I can track when things happen. So I've started making like proper timelines when I write. And I do have a big spreadsheet that I have a public version of and I have a personal version of because my personal version has books on that haven't been released yet of my Charlieverse of when books happen and take place and what overlaps where and what happens. Because technically some of my books in timescales haven't happened yet. And it's because of when other books happened. So, for example, we're currently in the middle of the timeline for Always Eli because of the way that the Roll for Love series played out. Because it was meant to be a standalone, there is a real date in January, I think it's January 2020, when The Lost World opens. But then time passes and in some of the other books, time passes and, and various things happen. And, and to make the timeline matchup, Always Eli doesn't start until September 2022. The book came out last year. Oso Oscar <laughs> technically doesn't take place until April, May 23. So some of my books, like although they've been published, technically in my own version of the timeline haven't happened yet. And it's because I've used real world dates. So I have slightly shot myself in the foot with that. So there is a terrible downside to using real world calendars sometimes. <laughs> I love that you keep track of it. I, what I'm starting to find as I'm building a series is setting the epilogue will take place after future books in the series. So then trying to find that balance of, okay, so what I'm referencing in the epilogue of this book happens after the next book takes place. And so what to reference, what not to. So I feel like I'm always kind of building that master series timeline too of, okay, the prologue for this one or this book takes place here, this epilogue takes place here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it it does get really tricky and I'm sure I've made mistakes. Um, but it uh we're just gonna roll with it. We're just be fine. We'll just roll with it. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> well, speaking of roll, but um your role left for love series. <laughs> so you mentioned in your bio that you do have some real life nerdy pursuits, which I absolutely love. Do you draw on your real life pursuits to help you create when you were working on the role for love series characters and their interests yeah absolutely i am a big fan of tabletop rpgs so at the moment currently uh i play two different games of dungeons and dragons and one game of starfinder which is a space based role uh role play game 
so yeah, I am a massive nerd. I have more dice than is actually necessary, but I'm going to keep buying more dice because you can never have too many. And so I drew on a lot of like little real world things. A lot of in the Roll for Love series, when they play various games or scenarios, a lot of those have actually happened in real life. There's a couple that were made up. There are a couple that are incredibly real because they were just so wonderful that I couldn't not immortalize them in fiction. The best example is in the book Proficiency Bonus, where they play a game of Honey Heist by Grant Howard. It's a one shot, so you play in one session. A lot of the characters and a lot of the stuff that happened in that game in the book happened during a game of Honey Heist I played the Christmas I was writing Proficiency Bonus, including Florida Bear, which the character Izzy plays in the book um, and which my husband invented and did some of the, the stupidest stuff. He basically bought Florida Man to life, but in bear form. And <laughs> it was the most ridiculous game of, any kind of RPG I'd ever played, I just howled. We just like all were just like crying with laughter for about five hours. And Florida Bear was just too good not to immortalize in fiction. So I I had to write him into a book, including the bit where he turns to someone and says, hey, you're the closest thing I know to an American. When am I allowed to start chanting USA? Which is something that actually happens because we were playing with a couple of Americans. <laughs> My husband is British. His character was not. And we were playing with a couple of Americans. We were doing this mini game where they were having like a grocery cart race around the store, like around this abandoned store. And yeah, his character got slightly in front and he asked one of the Americans we were playing with, when can I start like obnoxiously chanting USA? And friend was like, well, you're about an inch in front. So I'd say about now. I just couldn't resist. It was like one of those, it's like, I have to remember that this happened. So I'm putting it in a book. So, yeah. And things like the Edward walking the red carpet for the film premieres, I knew that happened. But a friend of mine is a cosplayer for fun and she had taken part in one of the Star Wars premieres. So she read that for me to check for accuracy. So thank you, Jodie, for that because she did an amazing job. So... It's inspired by a lot of like things that I love personally. Like I'm a big fan of small bookshops and nerdy suits and cosplay and Pokemon and pink hair, all of these kind of soft things. Lincoln, the city of Lincoln, it was my local city growing up. I went to university there. It's a tiny city that is absolutely beautiful. And I wanted to set a book outside of London. So I was like, well, I'm going to take it to Lincoln because it's the perfect place for small bookshops and cobble it's got cobbled streets and stuff so it was sort of really inspired by things that I loved because I just wanted to write a love letter in a way to being a nerd and to all of the things that I loved and that's where that series really came from that's incredible I love that so much (laughs) and using the real life gaming examples oh my gosh just endless endless fodder for your books (laughs) yeah pretty much That's so great. (laughs) And the departure from that, you had a recent release, Couture Crush. That's how you say that, right? Couture? I feel like it's one of those Uh, words. Couture. Couture. Okay. Okay. It's one of those words where I've always read it, but I don't know how often I've actually heard it aloud. So (laughs) I wasn't sure how to say it. So that was part of a shared universe series called Lot of Love. How did this come about? Um, So... 
much earlier this year, Colette Davison messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, I'm looking at putting this contemporary shared world together around models. Do you think you'd be interested in taking part? And at the time, I had seen on Instagram that there's a bridal magazine in the UK called Rock and Roll Bride, which is an alternative wedding magazine. Um, and they used, for I think their January, February issue, they used their first male model on the cover. He was wearing a very beautiful wedding dress and the editorial, I'd seen some of the editorial photos. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be a lovely character for a story? And then Colette was like, oh, hey, what? Look, I'm looking at like, organizing the shared world about models. And I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to write this now. <laughs> um, so I was really lucky to be invited with some lovely authors. And then we all through Facebook sorted out a lot of the details about the agency and what the agency was like. And then when we were all writing, um, we'd often pop little details in the group we were using being like, oh, hey, I've just described the agency like this. Has anybody thought of this detail? Oh, what about this character? Um, so we were adding little shared details as we went um, around our own stories, which was really fun. That's exciting. I love that idea of collaboration and the group coming together to make up those details. That's great. Yeah, Thanks. it was really nice. It was really fun. And we got to play around and think about where things might be. Or um, And obviously, it's an international agency as well. So we did have some flexibility to set it in different locations, which was really nice. Oh, that's fun. Nice. <laughs> and so you That's had really fun. Good. And you had that come out recently. You've got the next Heather Bay book coming up on the 27th. So what else can readers get excited about in terms of upcoming projects? So I have a Christmas novel coming out that I have just just sent off to my editor this week. I just finished it this week. Um and I haven't actually talked about it publicly yet, so I'm going to do that now. Hey, I may have shared the details, by the way, when this comes out, but I don't know. So I have a Christmas novel coming out, hopefully at the end of November. It is called Up to Snow Good. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so much fun. So a couple of years ago, I wrote a story for the Prolific Works Winter Wonderland giveaway, which was called Snow Way in Hell. <laughs> and in that, the main character, Quinn, has a brother called Max. This is Max's story because Max was just not going away. And I am in a loving way going to blame Carly Marie for this because she is a really good friend of mine. And she was like, you know what? Max needs a story. And I was like, yeah, hi, 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 Max needs a story. Well, I'll write Max's story eventually. And then earlier this year, I was like, talking about, because I wrote my first Christmas novel last year, which was Spiced Kisses. And I was like, well, I wonder if I'll do another Christmas one this year. And Carly was like, you know, Max is still waiting. And we ended up just bouncing some ideas around. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to write this at some point. And then I got to the summer and I was like, well, I guess like, I'm going to guess, you know, if I'm going to write this, I need to get a cover sorted. So this one has an illustrated cover, my very first illustrated cover done by the amazing Lauren Dombrowski. So beautiful. And... I commissioned the cover and then I said to Carly, well, I guess I'm going to have to write the book now. <laughs> so this is Max's book. And Max is a golden retriever. What He's more like actually like a spaniel, like a very excitable spaniel <laughs> in human form. And plus a hurricane. And he is a banker. He's very sweet and well-meaning. Um, he just 
doesn't always necessarily go out things the right way. He just kind of is like, yes, yes, I can do this. I'll help out. Uh, so he starts the book deciding that it's his brother and his best friend, who are a couple, uh, George and Quinn, their anniversary coming up. So they're going on a, a winter holiday together. He is going to plan them the perfect anniversary. Really can't be that hard, can it? He's got four days. It's not that hard. <laughs> In December? Yeah, this is, yeah. <laughs> Turns out planning a perfect anniversary four days beforehand is a lot harder than he thinks, especially when he runs across Chocolatier Luca, who is very busy and very stressed, especially because one of his staff, Tony, has taken himself out of action by breaking various things, showing off on the slopes. So he, he and one other member of staff have got to run a chocolatier's, uh, a chocolatery two weeks before Christmas. Um, so... That's kind of where we start. Max turns up and uh, they didn't have the best start ever, but then things end up going from there and it's really fun. I had so much fun writing it. Uh, poor Luca spends half the time is a bit like, I'm not really sure what's going on, but okay, fine. Max turns up and he's like, hey, you, I hear you're understaffed. Let me help out. And Anya, who's Luca's other member of staff, is like, yeah, this sounds great. And Luca's like, do I get a say in this? Apparently not. Okay, fine. Um, so I had a lot of fun writing it. It's very fluffy and slightly silly and low angst. And I hope people enjoy it because Max is just, yeah, he's the kind of hurricane cocker spaniel who just doesn't really think things through, but has a very good heart, but he's a little bit up to no good. So yeah, that's coming out at the end of November. So I've had three back-to-back releases, which is quite intense. And yeah. then taking a break because the next Heather Bay will be February. But uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to read this. I am already filling my TBR with Christmas books I read last year that I really love just to get myself in the mood in October for when the Christmas books start hitting in November. I'm so pumped. <laughs> And I think there's going to be some amazing Christmas books out this year as well. I'm so excited. I know a couple of people who are writing them and I'm just like, oh, there's going to be so many good Christmas books. And my TBR is just going to be absolutely full. So I'm so excited. Yes, a cup of cocoa and a Kindle and just read through them. I'm so pumped. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so what can people expect from a Charlie Novak story? Um, Probably the best way to describe them is... Uh, a lot of heart, some humor, and some heat as well. They're pretty spicy. They're very heartwarming, and I hope that people go away feeling like they've uh, had a laugh, had a smile, made some new friends, probably cursed me out for the amount of delicious food that I write in my <laughs> books, and just come away with a bit of a smile on their face. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. And where can readers go to learn more about you and your books? So if you go to my website, which is charlienovak.com, you can sign up for my newsletter. There's some of my social media links on there as well. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter, both at Charlie N. Writes. I am on Facebook and I have a Facebook group, which is called Charlie's Angels. If you are in there when I post every morning, I do always say good morning, angels. I love it. It's so fun. I'm in there and it's great. And I love when other authors come in and reference that too, when they're doing their guest visit. It's so fun. <laughs> I, think to think of, I think AJ Truman did that when he was in there for his ancient history release. There was something in there that just made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't resist. So, well, my angels. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. It has been an absolute treat to talk to you. 
thank you so much for having me and for letting me just ramble on and for some amazing questions. It's been so much fun hanging out with you. Thank you. And we'll have the links to Charlie's social media and everything in the show notes. It was so much fun to talk with Charlie. I was also lucky to meet her at the Gay Romance Lit Retreat, and it was so cool that she took a trip across the ocean for that event. As I mentioned earlier, I want to give an update on Charlie's books. Two books in their Heather Bay series have come out since we chatted, Like I Wished and Like I Needed. Heather Bay Book 4, Like I Pretended, will be out in July. Up to Snow Good also came out in November. This book and Like I Wished are available in audio, and the audio of Like I Needed will be available at any time. I've included a link to Charlie's Amazon page in the show notes. Thanks for joining me in the Low Angst Library. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Is there an author of Low Angst Queer Romance that you'd like me to interview? There's a link in the show notes and on lowangstlibrary.com with a guest suggestion form. If you're an author writing low-angst queer romance, there's a self-suggestion form in the show notes and on the website as well. A major goal of mine with this podcast is to have guests who write main characters in romance novels representing all queer identities, and your suggestions will help me with that. If you'd like to financially support the podcast to help offset the cost of hosting, editing software, and transcription for accessibility, you can buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes for that. And other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing episodes with your reader friends, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, and also sharing social media posts. The show is on social media at Low Angst Library. Until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.